Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Welcome back, everybody, to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. I am out of my mind excited for today's episode because I get to sit down with friend Jim Quick. Now, Jim, as you already know, is a memory improvement expert. I mean, he understands all of the hacks that will improve your brain's function and make you able to read and retain faster you know, remember everything that you want to remember, allow you to walk into a room and remember everybody's name. Now, Jim and I actually met because we were in a mastermind together for this whole past year. And one of the things that happens when you mastermind together for a year is it's really easy to become good friends when you're working on each other's businesses and getting to know each other on that level. And so I do want to give you a quick reminder that I have only a few slots left in my elite business mastermind for 2018. My mastermind is for anybody who is making multiple six figures with a traditional business and wants to break through to seven figures once and for all in 2018, because that's exactly what we're going to do for everybody in that room. We are going to bond together. We're going to have the best trainers in the world, and we are going to make sure that we roll up our sleeves and grow each other's businesses to that seven-figure or multiple seven-figure range. So if you feel like maybe this is you, maybe the timing is right, maybe this is a good fit, go ahead and check it out. Just go to fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. Again, that is fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. There's a video there that will tell you all about it. Uh, There is some frequently asked questions. And if you like what you see and you think this is your year, then go ahead and fill out that application. And you and I will sit down, we'll have a quick chat and make sure that it's a perfect fit for the group. Now, I am so excited to sit down and pick Jim's brain, so to speak, no pun intended, because he truly is the superhero of memory improvement. When you hear his story as to how he has ended up in this profession, how he was called the boy with the broken brain growing up, uh, when you find out some of the hacks that he teaches you during this episode on how to remember names better when you're at an event or when you walk into a room. And when you hear about the hack that he has in order to once and for all break through some of these limiting money mindset beliefs that you have or that we all have, it's going to change your world. This episode alone can and will change your life. So get ready, listen up, Because this is one of those truly special episodes that come along once in a great while. All right, Jim, my man, I am so excited to have you and in person. This is way better than Skype. Dude, I love this. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thank you for coming over here. All right. So my audience loves getting to know my guests before we get into all the good stuff, all the tips and all that. And you have one of the most fascinating stories that I've ever heard about growing up that steered you in the direction of your career today. Uh, Would you mind sharing with the audience that story of how you've 
become one of the most foremost experts in memory improvement and speed reading today? Sure, absolutely. And so you could say my inspiration was my desperation. And when people see me on stage, they'll see me memorize like 100 people's names um, and faces or 100 words or 100 numbers forwards and backwards. But I always tell people I don't do this to impress you. I do this really to express to you what's really possible. Because the truth is every single person who's with us right now could also do that and a lot more. And, um, and I know that because I grew up with a brain injury, a very severe brain injury at the age of five. Um, I had a very bad accident. I had head trauma um, and I had learning difficulties. So for three years, I was I, like, it actually took me an extra, like it, this happened at the age of five. And for three years, it took me that long to learn how to like read. Um, it, I didn't understand things. Teachers would have to repeat themselves over and over and over again. I just wouldn't understand. And I had bad focus and I had a horrible memory. And this lasted all through school. Um, at the age of nine, one of my teachers actually pointed to me and said, that's the boy with the broken brain to another adult. And that those kind of formidable years, you know, you really are affected um, by your environment. Um, and so I grew up uh, painfully shy and introverted. And like um, my parents, they immigrated uh, here. And there was this discipline of working really hard. So I would work hard, um, but I wouldn't get the results as everyone else did. And it was frustrating because I would do like a book report. And, um, and, but if a teacher asked me to give a presentation in front of the class, I would actually lie and say, I, I didn't do it because I was so scared when, cause you're when you're the boy with the broken brain, you don't feel like you have a lot of value to offer other people. And so I would lie and say, I didn't do it. And I would throw it out on the way out of class and take a zero. And so this happened all through school. And I, um, at the age of 18, um, in college, I, I was like, wow, I could be a freshman. I could fresh start myself and prove to the world, make my parents proud and prove to myself I could really be of value and, um, and a fresh start. And I actually did worse. And it was so much more difficult for me. And I was ready to quit school. And I didn't know what to do because I was just, I didn't want to waste the money. And a friend was like, hey, I'm going home for the weekend. Why don't you come with and get some perspective? And I really do believe that when people are struggling with problems, one of the best things you could do is, is change your perspective, get around different people, get around a different place to give you new eyes. And so I agreed to do it. And um, the family is very wealthy, I'm talking about, you know, um, talking about wealth, um, not just financial wealth. They had a beautiful home near the water and everything, um, but they were really happy too, and they were givers. And um, this was an early influence for me. And the father walks me around the property before dinner and asks me a very innocent question, which is the worst question you could ask me at the time. He says, um, Jim, how's school? And I was like, oh my goodness. And I just break down and I just, I just tell him like that this is not for me. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. Um, I'm ready to quit. I don't have to tell my parents this news. And he, he pauses. He's like, stop. Why are you in school? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to have? What do you want to share? And honestly, I didn't have an answer for that. because. And I do believe, pulling out here, that, um, that questions are the answer. That if you want to uh, change something in your life, which we all do at some level, that we have to think differently. And part of it is asking different questions. Because if if you ask different questions or better questions, you get better answers. And if you ask questions that you never asked yourself before, you'll get answers you've never gotten. And he asked me what I want to be, do, have, share. And I finally come up with an answer and a couple of things. And he says, stop. And he pulls out a journal out of his back pocket. And honestly, I always thought that it was like at the time, little girls carried diaries and wrote in diaries. But he, um, he takes out a couple of sheets of paper, he tears them out and he makes me write it down. And that's another principle of just learning is just reflection and note-taking, right? 
And um, because there's a lot of power taking the invisible and make it visible. You know, when you, when you write it out first, it, it's like the first step to making something externally like real. Um, and so he makes me write it down. It becomes like a bucket list. I have a few dozen things on this bucket list. And when I'm done, I start folding the sheets of paper to put in my pocket and he grabs it right out of my hand. And I'm freaking out because I didn't know if he was going to look at my, my, my dreams and my desires and everything. And he's staring at it. I don't know how much time goes by, but he, when he's done, he looks at me and he says this. I'll always remember it. He says, Jim, you are this close to everything on that list. And he spreads his index fingers about a foot apart. And I'm thinking, there's no way, you know, I'm this insecure 18 year old kid. And you know, I was like, think, give me 10 lifetimes. I'm not going to crack that list. And he takes his fingers and he puts it to the side of my head meaning like it was my brain was the key, right? It was the bridge. And he takes me into a room I've never seen before. You would love it. It's wall to wall, ceiling to floor, covered in books, you know, because I do believe leaders are readers. And if you want to increase, you know, your wealth in anything, financial or otherwise, you need to be able to learn because the more you can learn, the more you can earn, right? And so, now keep in mind, I, I'm not a good reader at all, and I'm terrified of books. Like, it'd be the equivalent of someone walking to a room full of snakes, <laughs> you know, and Bo make, makes it worse. He starts grabbing snakes and starts handing them to me, and he starts handing me all these books, and I start looking at the titles, and there are these books of incredible men and women in history, the biographies, right? Their personal histories, and also some really early personal growth books. I'm, t I'm talking about Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking, Napoleon Hill, Thinking Grow Rich, you know, um, you know, Man's Search for Meaning, all these classic books. And he says, Jim, I want you to read one book a week. And he literally says, leaders are readers. I want you to read one book a week. And I'm saying, have you not been listening to me? Like, I have learning difficulties. I have challenges. I'm not smart enough. I can't even keep up with school. And, and he was like, Jim, don't let school get in the way of your education. And it's so interesting, right? Because, and I didn't realize at that time that this was a Mark Twain quote, but, um, but I was like, wow, you know, that's really real. And I'm, but I'm still fighting for my limitations. And I always tell people, if you, if you argue for your limits, you get to keep them. If you argue for your limits, you get to keep them. And I'm fighting for my limitations, right? No, I'm not smart enough. And here's why. And here's all the reasons why and my references. And I was never good in school. And I have this learning disability and this head injury. And I was labeled this. And, um, Anyway, he's like, and he's, he's like, don't let school get in your education. I'm like, you know, that's nice, and I get it, but I'm still not going to commit because, you know, if I commit to it, I'm going to do it. And, um, and, and very smart man, he takes out of his back pocket um, my bucket list, which he still has, Chris, and he, he literally goes and he reads out loud every single one of my dreams and my fantasies out loud. And imagine you're an 18 year old insecure kid and you, you have the courage to finally write down your dreams and you see them on paper. But then this guy who's obviously very wealthy and successful and happy, you start hearing in another man's voice, your dreams out in the universe. And it messed with my mind and my heart and my spirit, something fierce. And, um, and honestly, there were a lot of things on that list were things I wanted to do for my parents, for my family that they could never afford to do for themselves. And that's the other thing when it comes to learning and, you know, when I talk about speed reading or memory or changing your habits or reaching your goals, you need a reason why. 
because leverage is power, right? And I always talk about motivation, like what your motive is for taking action for things. And that was my list, you know, it was the things I wanted to do for my family. So with that leverage, I agreed to read one book a week. So fast forward, I'm back at school, and I'm sitting at my desk, and there's a pile of books that I have to read for my midterms and a pile of books I want to read and I promise to read, and I can't keep up. So what do I do? I sacrifice everything in my life. I don't spend time with friends. I don't spend time with family. I don't work out. I don't sleep. I don't eat. I just live in the library. And we know that that's a recipe for failure, right? And so after a few weeks, I literally just collapse in the library. I fall down a flight of stairs and I, um, I hit my head again and I woke up in the hospital. And now two days later, I woke up in the hospital. And at this point, I've lost all this weight. I'm down to 117 pounds and I thought I died. It was the darkest time in my life. And maybe part of me wished I did because I was in so much pain. And when I got, when I woke up, the nurse came in with a mug of tea and because I didn't know what to do and what I was going to do here. And on the mug had a picture of what I thought was the opposite of me at the time, a genius. It was Albert Einstein and had this quote that we've all heard a million times in different iterations. It said on the mug, the same level of thinking that's created your problem won't solve your problem. The same level of thinking that's created your problem won't solve your problem. So when you think about your problems in your health or in your relationships or in your career, or your finances, whatever got you there is not going to get you to where you need to go. And it made me ask a new question, going back to questions are the answer. It says like, well, what is my problem? My problem is I have a very slow brain. I'm a very slow learner. And I was like, well, how do I think differently about it? Well, maybe I could learn how to learn. And it was really a big revelation. It sounds obvious right now, but looking back, you know, hindsight is, you know, as they say, is 2020. I never thought about learning how to learn. And I was like, well, how do I learn how to learn? And then I was thinking, well, school. And I literally picked up a course bulletin um, for next semester. And I looked at all these classes and all these courses, and there were all classes on, on what to learn math, history, science, Spanish, and there were zero classes on how to learn, how to listen, how to think for yourself, how to solve problems, how to focus and concentrate, how to read faster, how to remember. Like I always thought it should have been the fourth R in school, reading, writing, arithmetic, but what about recall? What about retention? You know, Socrates says there is no learning without memory, you know, and going back to, you know, money, I think memory makes money. You know, I believe two of the most costly words in business are I forgot. I forgot to do it. I forgot to bring it. I forgot the meeting. I forgot what to say. I forgot that conversation. I forgot that name. I mean, every time we say it, time is lost. Opportunity is lost. You know, you forget someone's name. It kills a sale, a relationship. And so I started studying these things um, over the next couple of months. I started studying adult learning theory and brain science and, and really how to study and learn. I wanted to solve this riddle, which basically said that you know, this, how does my brain work so I could work my brain? How does memory work so I could work my memory? And about two months into it, a light switch flipped on and it was like magic. It was like in the movies. It was just like, I started to understand things for the first time. I started to have better focus and read better and retain things. And my grades shot up. And with that, um, my life just got better. And the reason why I'm here today, even more than two decades later, is one of my students, I started to tutor it because I, I couldn't, I was so angry that this wasn't taught back in school. You know, this, the world we live in right now, we live in an age of electric cars and spaceships that are going to Mars, but our vehicle choice when it comes to learning, is like a horse and buggy. They say if Rip Van Winkle woke up today, you know, the guy who slept for all those years, if he woke up today, the only thing he would recognize are our schools. 
because this education system hasn't changed as much as the world has changed. And, you know, it's, it taught us to be passive and sit quietly by ourselves and just consume information. But we don't learn like that. The human brain doesn't learn like that. We don't learn through consumption. We learn through co-creation. You know, learning's not always solo. It's social, right? And so it's not just your neurological networks. It's your, it's your social networks. And, you know, one of the things that you and I do, you know, we, ma- we mastermind, right? You can get around other people because it's different. If I give you a dollar, you give me a dollar, yeah, same dollar, no big deal. But if I share a new idea with you and you share a brand new idea with me, all of a sudden we have two brand new ideas, you know, and so we could do that and, and create new value in the world. And that's what a lot of entrepreneurs do, right? I feel like modern day entrepreneurs um, are the modern day superheroes. They're the ones that have discovered and developed their superpowers, you know, their unique ability, their strength, their talent. And, but just having superpower doesn't make you a superhero. You got to use that power to serve. And that's why I love your show so much because it's not just about making a dollar. It's about making a difference, right? That we, we don't, here's the thing. Like we don't, we don't give to get, we give because it's who we are. And then that's what it comes down to that everything in nature grows or it dies. And that's why I love learning all the time and growing because if you're green, you grow and you're brown, you rot, but also everything in nature always has to give back. It has to get back to the environment and the ecology and the system. And everything that's not giving back, it's eliminated and it becomes extinct, right? And so for us to be feel fulfilled, we need to grow and we need to give. And so with that, I, I started tutoring because I was like, wow, I, I'm so upset that other people weren't taught this. And I became like an evangelist for it. And one of my very first students, get this, she read 30 books in 30 days. I mean, it's mind-blowing. She, she was a freshman in college. She read 30 books in 30 days. Imagine going on Amazon and picking, or Barnes & Noble and picking up 30 books and reading it in a month. Like, think about how much... I, I love reading because I did two things. We were talking about this before we got on on, on the microphones. We, we talked about, you know, I did two things. I, I got to uh, to work with Will Smith and you know, preparing him to speed read scripts, memorize line, be focused on sets. I got to work with a lot of actors, and I was just you know, going through his habits and such and asking him questions. He's like, two things I do every day, I run and I read. And I'm like, something physical and something mental. I think it's important. But I, the reason why I love reading, and I know you do too, is if somebody has decades of experience, you know, and they put all that wisdom into a book and you can sit down in a couple of days and, or a few days and read that book, you could download decades into days. And that's a huge advantage, right? Because the one thing you can't get back is your time. You can always make more money, but your time and intention... But, you know, the time you save from learning from other people, that's why I think podcasts are so important because you're distilling some of the best knowledge somebody has, you know, in in a handful of of minutes. And I think that's a great investment. But I wanted to find out how this young lady read 30 books in 30 days. Not how, but why. And I always want to start with why, just like the book, you know, Simon Sinek talks about. And I found out that her mother was dying of terminal cancer, was diagnosed to give... that she had 60 days to live, two months to live. And the books she was reading were books on health and wellness because she was determined to save her mother's life. And I said, I'll keep you in thoughts and prayers. Six months go by and I don't hear from her, but finally I get a call and she's crying and crying and crying and I can't make a word out edgewise, but eventually when she stops, I find out there are tears of joy that her mother not only survived, um, but is really getting better. Doctors don't know how, they don't know why. They called it a miracle. That was their word, a miracle. But her mother attributed 100% to the great advice she got from her daughter who learned it from all these books. And at that moment, that's when I realized that if knowledge is power, learning is your superpower. That if knowledge is power, learning is your superpower. And it's a power we all have, you know, and it's, it's our birthright. And if to have the, 
the life that you desire and you deserve, um, I feel like that you need to understand how we learn our best because it's not how smart you are for the parents listening or how smart your kids are. It's not how are you smart. Sorry, it's not how smart you are. It's how are you smart. So it's not how smart you are. It's how are you smart. And we're all different in terms of how we learn. But once we discover that, I think self-awareness is a superpower also. And I love the the amount of reflection that you and Lori do when we're masterminding. You always want to know, you know, the truth about who we are. And I think part of it, knowing it is, you know, knowing who we are um, is so important to be able to, that's part of the human experience. That story is so fascinating. Every single time I hear it, it's just as good as the last time that I heard it. So thank you for sharing that. I had so many questions come up. And the first one that came up was simple one. Do you keep in touch with this man, with this family that changed your life? Do you still talk to them today? No, it's been, um, it's been more than a, a decade. Do you think they know the impact that you're having on the world because of that chance encounter? That's a great question. I mean, I, I, I don't know that for sure. Um, I do believe in the butterfly effect. You know, this idea where that if a, a butterfly in Los Angeles flaps its wing, it could create like a, a tsunami across the world. And we don't know what the difference that little little flaps of wings make. And I feel like that everyone who's listening, we're all butterflies and that we that you never know, especially acts of kindness. You know, mentors for me, even back in school, the ones that said, the ones that really resonate with me, you know, Maya Angelou said that people won't remember what you say, they won't remember what you did, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. And, you know, at my lowest points when I was just this insecure kid, you know, my two biggest challenges growing up were learning and public speaking. And think about what I do for a living now. <laughs> All I'm doing is public speaking about my, about learning. And um, and so I, I, I don't know, but uh, if if he's out there listening, thank you. It'd be fascinating to uh, to try and seek him out. We're, actually, we were talking about social media before. I bet you could find him pretty easily. I know. So you, you keep talking about these limitations. And your two limitations at first when you were growing up were you had a broken brain mm -hmm. and you were a slow learner. Yes. And obviously, knowing you today, those are clearly uh, wrong. They're not factual. So what percentage of our limitations are real and what percentage do you think are absolute made up and bullshit? Yeah. And so I think that if anything, we were, um, see, when I was saying in the beginning of the show was that we, we've discovered more about the human brain more in the past 10 years than the previous hundred years. And what we found is we're grossly underestimating our capabilities and that we could do so much more. Like I like to get people, um, I just did a, our, on our podcast, I did an episode on how to read a book a week. Like I like to get people reading at least one book a week, you know, where the average person reads two a year at most, you know, the average CEO reads four or six a month. So getting up to 50 books a year really makes a, a big difference. But here's what I notice when I talk about this or remembering names or anything else, people going back to fighting for your limitations, you know, they, they always say, well, I'm too old or yeah, this runs in my family. The truth is one third of our, like our intelligence or our memory is predetermined by genetics and biology, but two thirds is completely in our control. So there, there are 10 things that I teach people that can really move the needle to really help you to maximize your brain's potential. But when it comes down to um, limitations, I can't put an exact number down to what our, um, you know, our, how much we're underestimating you know, these capabilities, but I know it's far more than what we think it is. And so, because there's this thing called learned helplessness, you know, you always look, you look at the elephant and you wonder why at the circus, it just doesn't pull it's, you know, the whole circus tent down because it's this incredible, you know, magnificent, um, 
you know, strong beast and, uh, and it could do that, but it doesn't because from the very beginning, since it was born, it was tied with that same rope, with that same stake in the ground. And in the beginning, it spent days trying to get its freedom because it's, you know, it wants its sovereignty like all of us do. But after it tried and tried and tried, it learned that it was helpless. So even as it grew in size and in muscle and strength, it's the limitation was in his mind. And, um, and I feel like a lot of us back as children, we learned a lot of limitations and we learned to be helpless about things. We tried a few things and we weren't good at it. And we just learned that we're not good at it. And, um, you know, when there, you know, when we have our conversations, you and I, we talk about growth and we talk about contribution, all the things that's available to us. But I feel like people are grossly underestimating what's capable and we don't know. And that's, so when I do these demonstrations, even on stage, I don't do this to impress them. I do it to shake up their limitation, limiting beliefs, because that's what people did in my life. Like I remember as a, as a child, I saw, we had a, a, a waitress who at the age of nine, I was at a restaurant in Connecticut, his family reunion, busy Saturday night. And she takes everyone's order. And when she gets to me, it's about 25, 20, 25 of us. Um, I noticed something funny. She wasn't writing it down. Have you ever had like a waiter or mm-hmm. waitress like this? And I'm thinking at the time, I'm very skeptical. Like, I'm, and I, I mean, skeptical, not being negative. I mean, skeptical. I just want to know the truth. And I'm thinking they're just, I don't think this is going to happen. I think we're at the center of plates back and he's going to mess this up and trade. But when she came back, she got every single thing. Perfect. I mean, the beverages, the salad dressings, the appetizers, how he wanted the meal cooked, the desserts. I mean, that's a standout skill. And she was kind of like, she was my Roger Bannister. You know, like in 1954, Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile. Throughout human history, nobody could run a mile, you know, sub four minutes. Um, but he was able to do it. And how was he able to do it? He would visualize himself crossing the finish line and looking at the clock, and it says 3.59. And he knew what everyone who's listening knows, that success is an inside-out process, that in order to take the invisible what's in your mind and make it visible, you need to believe it. You know, Wayne Dyer you know, we always hear this phrase that, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. But, you know, he said that it's the opposite. It's you'll see it when you believe it. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the proof is what happened after that. You know, for hundreds of years, nobody could run a sub four minute mile. And then one person does it. What happens? Just the next year, dozens of people run it. And it wasn't a big improvement in training methodology and nutrition and shoe technology. It was a change of beliefs because the old belief was that the human heart couldn't sustain a sub four minute mile and it would explode in your chest and you would die. <laughs> like that would keep, you know, I believe all behavior is belief driven. Mm-hmm. All behavior is belief driven. Same thing when it comes to money that you who are listening right now, you have to see yourself and identify more with a thermostat than a thermometer. Like, think about it. What does a thermometer do? Its primary function is it reflects what the environment is giving it. It reacts to the environment, essentially. And But a thermostat is totally different. A thermostat sets a standard. It sets a vision. It sets a goal. And what happens in the environment, it raises to meet that. And I really do believe that's that's what we're here to do. And we all get affected as thermometers, you know, to the weather. We get affected by the economy and to politics or the client treats us bad or whatever it is. But to the degree we could hold our sovereignty and realize that we are at cause, that there's a gap between, you know, stimulus and response, you know, this infinite time or, you know, potential of us making infinite different choices, then we have ability to be responsible, you know, the ability to respond. And, um, you know, I believe that as, as you and I have talked about before, um, recently I got to introduce two of my superheroes together. It was Sir Richard Branson and Stan Lee, like Stan Lee, the co-creator of Avengers and Spider-Man and X-Men and Fantastic Four. And we were in the car going to dinner and I asked Stan, I was like, you created all these amazing characters. Who's your favorite? And he's like, 
he's like iron man and he's like jim who's your favorite and i was like and he had a spider-man tie put it on instagram it's like i was like spider-man and he without a pause he goes with great power comes great responsibility and we all know that right and we've all heard it before and then my i had dyslexia you know growing up and like all these learning difficulties and i flip things naturally and i was like stan you're true with great power comes great responsibility when we're in a position of power we have great responsibility to use it well and to steward it um and the opposite is also true with great responsibility comes great power that when we take responsibility for something we have great power to make things better we take responsibility for our finances, for our health, for our relationship, for anything that's important to us. We have great power to make things better and improve upon it. And I really do believe a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, it's been my experience working with entrepreneurs for the past two decades that they, one of their biggest values is freedom. And, you know, and they want to do what they want, when they want, with who they want, wherever they want. And I totally get that. And that's important to me too. And sometimes they'll skirt and not do the things they need to do because they don't want to have the the routines or the discipline and having to do something and oh i don't want to do they don't want to have to do something because they value their freedom but if you can't get yourself to do certain things then you have no freedom and then you're in a prison right it's just like the quote that we've all heard that discipline equals freedom and i think that we should seek that out you know in a very in a very big way and take responsibility so we could you know be in charge of our lives so you teach everybody the superpower of being able to speed read and being able to memorize anything and you know improve their, their brain function. What is a superpower that you wish somebody would come along and teach you? Oh, how come no one's ever asked me that question before? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so every, every 30 days, I like to learn something new mm-hmm. um, because uh, everyone has a to-do list. I also have a not to do list and that list is actually bigger for me. So that's a a success principle I learned from just, just being around very successful, happy people is they're very clear on what they do not do. Um, and also I have a to learn list and I think that's very important, meaning that I have a list of ongoing things that I want to learn because I think like I'm, um, I'm taking flying lessons. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's really tough for me because I, I'm, I get a lot of motion sickness and it's a challenge, but you know, the times that I've done it, I'm like using, you know, I'm using every memory device on the planet just to be able to remember things and, you know, having mental checklists for all these different things. And, and I like to push myself because I, I like to feel what it feels like, you know, and you, you could identify this, you know, as a coach, you want to, I think it makes us I think the best teachers are the best students. And I like to feel what it feels like not to know how to do something. So then when I'm teaching people how to read three times faster or remember languages or names or whatever it is, to know, remember how nervous people are, you know, that you don't take it for granted. And so right now I would love to, um, man, I mean, there's so many things that I want to be able to learn because I'm thirsty for it. I never want my head to go down on the pillow being this, you know, the same as it was when it kind of woke up that way. Um, right now, surfing. You know, being here, you know, in your home and looking at all the waves, I, I love the water. Water always brings me back center. Um, and uh, and I've wanted to do surfing. I was just at an event um, with Stephen Kotler, um, who wrote The Rise of Superman and Stealing Fire. And he's one of the top experts in, the, in flow and getting into flow. And he had all these health challenges, massive, massive health challenges. But he attributes surfing to actually getting him into flow states and get into this parasympathetic space where he could actually heal himself. And, um, and I, I think it would be really good for me to learn. So I don't know in terms of the, the ultimate thing that I want to be able to learn, but that would be high on my list right now 
I saw it's a date. We talked about this at Thrive. Uh-huh. Lori and I are not expert surfers by any means, but we're good enough to have fun out there. I've got the best surf instructor here in LA. Fantastic. His name is Mike. He's fantastic. So let's do this. Well, before you leave today, it's going to be a date. We're going to teach you how to surf. Sign me up. All right. Perfect. I can't wait. So um, what is your favorite skill or hack to teach? And would you teach it to us quick? Yeah. And so I think one of the most important skills um, to develop wealth is they say your network is, you know, is your net worth, right? And I really do believe that the number one networking skill there is, is your ability to remember names. And I can't think of anything really more important than that, because how are you going to show somebody you're going to care for their health, their finances, their future, their family, whatever it is you're offering them, if you don't care enough just to remember someone's name. And so I think that's a must have skill for anybody who has a relationship with a human being, because none of us are, none of us are self-made. You know, I, I really, for me, it's, you know, everyone, when we hear that phrase, it's just, it's a misnomer because we all have help along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we've learned from other books or podcasts. We've learned, you know, our, at the very least, we have clients and customers that got us to where we are, mm-hmm. right? So no one's an island. But in order to really firm up that relationship, it helps to be able to remember somebody and remember their name and their their anniversary and their birthdays and your last conversation and the things that they hold dear. And so what I would say is that's, that's helped me so much in my life. It's really built my career and my business was my relationships, um, those connections. And so to do that, um, one of the tips I would recommend everybody listen to, to right now is, is just remember mom, very simple technique, M O M it's an acronym. And so when you're next time you're at an event or a conference or a wedding and you're checking your, you know, your your tie or your makeup in the mirror and just say, just remember mom. And, um, and so if you have trouble remembering names, which most people do, I want you just to remember this. I want you to imagine that there is a suitcase of $1 million cash for you or your favorite charity tax free. If you just remember the name of the next stranger you meet, who's going to remember that name done everybody yeah. like literally and the, the person with the worst memory in the world self-professed what was going to remember that person's name now what technique did they use literally nothing literally nothing so it had nothing to do with your capabilities and this as a quick brain coach you know i'm calling people who are listening to this you know on the truth because the truth is you can remember names you don't want to though so the first m stands for motivation what is your motive for taking action? And we talked about that when we talked about this young lady who read 30 books in 30 days and her motivation was to save her mom's life. What's your motivation to learn? What's your motivation to earn? What's your motivation to remember someone's name? And just ask yourself a very simple question. Why do I want to remember this person's name? Maybe it's to show them respect. Maybe it's to make a new friend. Maybe it's to practice these things that we learned you know, on this podcast. Because here's what you want to remember. Reasons reap results. Reasons reap results. I believe that the success formula, I call it H cubed, that it goes from your head to your heart to your hands, meaning you can visualize things in your head, but if you procrastinate, like you set goals in your head, you, you, you set a vision and everything that you want to affirm in your head, but you're not acting with your hands and you procrastinate, usually what you need to activate is that second H, which is your heart. And what does the heart symbolize? It symbolizes emotion. It symbolizes feelings because we are not logical, right? We don't do things logically. We do things emotionally. We're not logical. We're biological, 
right? And think about all the hormones and the feelings and the sensations. So why do you want to do that? And then the, the, the feelings and the emotions act like the fuel that drives the car. So if you're not acting with your hands or you're self-sabotaging and you have approach avoidance where you, you, know, you take one step back and then, you know, one step forward and three steps back or something like that, usually get clear about your why. Start with why. And so why do you want to remember the person's name? Come up with one reason and you're more likely to remember it. I would say also, and by the way, when I'm talking about wealth, like I was giving a talk in Silicon Valley and afterwards, uh, Bill Gates comes up to me and, you know, one of the wealthiest people in the country. And, you know, we're having this conversation about, first of all, I ask him if he could have any one superpower, what would it be? And he <laughs> says, the ability to read faster. And I was like, oh my goodness, I, let's, let's talk. The right, guy. right. Because he has a huge, um, you know, reading list, you know, for uh, on his Gates site in terms of what he's reading and stuff. And he knows readers are leaders and Warren Buffett, who I had the opportunity to meet also says he probably wasted 10 years of his life reading slowly. So that's why reading is such an, I would say that's the second skill after remembering names because we spend about four or five hours, six hours a day reading, processing information. Think about all the blogs, websites, emails, books, everything. You buy all these books and they sit on the shelf. They become shelf help, not self-help, you know, and, but if you could just cut that in half and go from six hours to three hours, saving three hours a day, what's three hours a day over the course of a year? I mean, it's probably a lot of math for a lot of people. Hours. Yeah, exactly. It's like a thousand hours. Like, but imagine just saving one hour a day over the course of a year, one hour a day, just reading better and retaining what you read. One hour a day saved is 365 hours. And if you break that down into work weeks, like a 40 hour work week, that's nine 40 hour work weeks wow. and like two months of productivity, you get back saving one hour a day. Wow. And so like, you know, I don't believe you can manage time, but I think we can manage our priorities mm -hmm. And like, that's something you want to sharpen the saw for, because just like one of my favorite books is uh, by Dr. Stephen Covey, and he was a mentor of mine. He wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. The seventh habit, you know, I would say highly effective, but also, you know, highly happy people also, um, is sharpen the saw. That if you have all this wood to cut and you have a dull blade, like, why would you wait to the end to sharpen your saw? You're going to work so much harder, so much so much more time, so much more struggle, so much more stress than if you sharpened it first and then you have ease, right? And that's what I mean about accelerated learning. Like if I was a genie and like, and you could ask for any one wish, what would you wish for? You had one wish. The obvious thing to ask for is for more wishes. Mm -hmm. But if I was like a, like a learning genie and I said, hey, I could teach you to learn any subject or skill faster, anything and retain it. doesn't matter. Mandarin, martial arts, music, marketing. And what would you ask for? The, the answer, just like with the wishes, would be learning how to learn. Because if you could learn how to learn, you could apply that towards anything mm -hmm. you want to be able to learn faster. So going back to uh, Bill Gates, I asked him, um, you know, we were talking about the future of education. And I was t coming from an accelerated learning theory standpoint, and he was taking it from a technology standpoint, which I totally understand. The classroom doesn't have four walls where we're mobile and all this gaming and everything. And somebody who was listening to our conversation said, is there anything missing? Is it just, you know, learning theory and, and technology? And we looked at each other and we were talking a little bit more and we came up with, no, the third pillar, you know, or the third leg of the stool, if you will, is motivation, understanding human motivation. Because the truth is most of us who are listening to this, we know what to do. We know what we should be doing. We should be meditating and journaling and reading each day and exercising each day and saving and investing and doing all these things and giving back. But we don't always do that because common sense is not common practice mm -hmm. and, and understanding human motivation. So the M in mom is motivation. Understand what drives you because reasons reap results. And then the O in mom is observation. 
observation. This is huge. A lot of people come to me like, my memory's so bad, and it's all my retention. It's not your retention, it's your attention. Mm-hmm. It's not your retention, Guilty. it's your attention. Remembering names is really simple. People don't remember names because they're not paying attention. They're, they, they think they're listening, but they're not. The truth is they're waiting for their turn to talk. And um, I remember the second time I had opportunity to meet President Bill Clinton. And the reason why I mention these names is, is not to drop names. It's more because they become triggers. So next time you see a superhero movie or see Richard Branson or Bill Gates or you know President Clinton, whatever, it will remind you of the lesson. But the second time um, was at a charity event. It was 2,000 people. And I go to my assigned seat at this table. And I'm sitting, I posted this on Instagram. To my right is um, Oscar winner Force Whitaker, Richard Branson, Ashton Kutcher, Ashton's twin brother, who I didn't realize had a twin brother, and uh, and President Clinton right next to me to my left, and um, and he remembered my name. And the first time we met, it was it was maybe a minute or two. He remembered my name, our last conversation, and it was amazing. And I was just so people don't know he's an incredible communicator, got great charisma, great connector, but he's got a phenomenal memory. And I went through this whole thing with him. I was like, "What's your memory tips? How do you? What are you doing to remember all this?" And he tells me the story about his grandfather in Arkansas, getting the kids around at home. Um, and telling them stories, but afterwards he would test them and quiz them and see if they were really paying attention, right? Observation, and um, and I noticed that he has this incredibly powerful presence. But I think his incredible memory and his powerful presence comes from being powerfully present. Mm-hmm. You know, when he was talking to me, there was m- many more important people in that room, especially at that table. But he's looking right at me. He's not looking over my shoulder and seeing who else is in the room and who's more important, which we often find ourselves guilty of, right? And you could tell he's not talking to himself because most people, again, aren't listening. They're thinking about how they're going to respond, right? And so another one of the habits of highly effective people, according to Dr. Stephen Covey, is not just sharpen the saw. It's seek first to understand, then to be understood. And that's all people really want. Men and women alike, they just want to feel heard. They want to feel seen. And they want the gift not your gifts during the holidays, but they want the gift of your presence, mm-hmm. right? They want your presence. And we could all be powerfully present, just like President Bill Clinton. You can all have a great memory and a powerful presence by being powerfully present with people. And if you take the word and just think about it visually, write the word listen down in your mind, listen, and you scramble the letters, it also spells another word. It spells the word silent. And that's all I'm asking people to do, like to remember names. Notice I haven't gotten to any visualization exercise and picture this person's name and put it on their face or whatever it is. I'm saying be a good human being. <laughs> you know, the M is just people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So just care about somebody. And that just, that's the art. And then this, this the O is be present with people. The art of memory is the art of attention. So it's just training us to care and training us to be present. Because the last M in mom is in the mechanics. And those are the tips that we teach in our online courses and our podcast on how to learn a language and how to remember names and how to give a speech without notes and remember passwords and pin numbers and speed read, you know, all this other stuff. But I'm just saying from a learning perspective, the psychology is, is half the battle, you know, want to remember somebody and just be present with them when you're doing it. And you're likely to remember. One of the favorite things you've ever taught me, another lesson in addition to this was, I don't know what you call it, but it's where you place objects or points that you want to make sure you hit in different parts of the room. So I use that when I speak on stage now. Mm-hmm. I use that when I need to run to the grocery store and get something so I don't forget it for Lori. It's one of the best hacks in the world. And this is going to seem like a setup shameless plug, but mm-hmm. these are important things that people need. Where can they find these lessons that you put out there? 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's two ways right now. Uh, first is in our online program. So if people go to Quick Learning, it's spelled K-W-I-K uh, Learning. My, that's really my last name. It's my father's name, my grandfather's name. I didn't change it to do it. With a name like Quick, you could say my life and my destiny was pretty planned out. I had to be a runner back in school, which is a lot of pressure when your name is Quick, mm-hmm. right? Um, I have to be careful when I'm driving because the worst name to have on your driver's license when you get pulled over for speeding is the name Quick because you're not going <laughs> to talk your way out of that speeding ticket. And I get to do my mission and my, my dharma, which is teaching people how to learn faster. So uh, quicklearning.com is where all our online programs are. We have students in over 180 countries. And it's for busy people who really just want that edge. You know, we attract two kinds of students, either people who are just struggling. They, they're overloaded, overwhelmed. They're easily distracted. And there's too much to learn, too, too little time. It feels like when you're learning something, it's taking a sip of water out of a fire hose. So we upgrade your brain so that you can handle that. And, uh, and have confidence and come home at the end of the day and just like when people ask you how was your day you're like I crushed it today because you're underutilizing most people their greatest building wealth building asset which is their mind mm-hmm. and so I want people to master their mind and what people don't realize is it's fun you can learn this stuff and it can be fun and enjoyable and easy um, the second way people could go through our programs um, or, or learn about it is on our podcast we recently lost a podcast earlier this year and, uh, and it was part of our mastermind that really inspired yeah. that. So thank you for making me commit to doing that. And um, our podcast is only 10, 15 minutes long, but they're basically these little brain bites for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. So we've done a handful of dozens of episodes on how to remember names, how to give a speech without notes, my 10 favorite um, lifestyle hacks on how to get most out of your super brain, how to learn languages, how to change your habits, uh, my morning routines, which is probably the most listened to episode is the 12 things I do every morning to jumpstart my brain. Mm. Um, and it's the, everyone that talks about their morning routines, mine are specific towards just getting your mind um, revving up to, uh, to dominate. And, um, and so the podcast is called Quick Brain, kwikbrain.com. And, um, and listen to it. Most people look at it not as a podcast, but more of an online academy uh, for higher learning. And so it's kind of like the X-Men superpowers. You can just download every episode because they're so small and they don't take up a lot of space. And then you have it at your mental fingertips. So next time you have to give a speech, just listen to the episode on the way to your talk. Or if next time you're going to the grocery store, listen to the episode on my top 10 favorite brain foods. You know, next time you're, you're going and you need to, you're going out of town, you're, you're traveling to another country on the plane, listen to the one on languages. And uh, it's really there to serve you. My, my thing, my mission really is, because I was labeled the boy with a broken brain, is I don't want people to suffer and struggle the way I did. You know, and what we're demonstrating is, is not anywhere near to our own capacity. And if, if, you, if you wanted to take things to the next level, my thing is no brain left behind. And so those are the two right. best ways. The third way is just social media. You and I are very active there. Yeah. Uh, I like to answer questions on Twitter, or on Instagram, or on Facebook. So I'm at Jim Quick, K-W-I-K. And, um, you know, so I'm always posting and doing these lives and doing these little tutorials and office hours and fun stuff like that. I want to respect your time. You've given us so much greatness so far. Do you have time for a couple yeah, more let's questions? Do it. All right, great. Here's the question. I know everybody is sitting on the edge of their seat saying, ask this question already. The guy's a brain expert. One of the biggest problems with our money mindset that holds us back, yeah. our limiting beliefs. Yes. Do you have any hacks? Do you have any information yeah. on how we can rewire our brain in order to rewire our limiting money mindset beliefs. Yeah. Okay. Let's do this. Um, so I believe all behavior is belief driven and that we're all thermostats. And then if we have a limiting belief that we're supposed to earn, you know, we're not capable of earning more than $40,000 a year, then our thermostat is set at 40,000 and we will create that repeatedly. So success is an inside out process. And, um, and so 
I would start, so there's a lot more resources. So we did an episode on tapping and I do, I, I do like that. And so we had one of the top tapping experts. Some of you, you're like tapping, like dance. No, it's, this is, um, emotional freedom technique. Um, so it's like, we're talking about, um, tapping on meridian points and while we're saying these limiting beliefs to help us to be able to discharge that. And so we did two intensive episodes specifically on how to do that. But another quick tip, here's a brain hack is using magic using magic to change our limiting thoughts and our self-talk. Because here's the thing, I was, I remember, so your brother and I were talking about marathons, right? And, um, and I was, when I was preparing for my first marathon, I read this book and one of the chapters was on the psychology of running a marathon. And it said this verbatim, cause I'm a memory expert. It said, <laughs> you said your brain is like a supercomputer and your self-talk is a program that will run. So if you tell yourself you're not good at remembering names, you will not remember the name of the next person you meet because you program your supercomputer not to. And what I always tell people is you have to kill those ants. And this is a term I got from uh, Dr. Daniel Amen, the famous brain doctor, automatic negative thoughts. That's what ant stands for, automatic negative thoughts. Because what I've learned in my career of teaching this is your mind is always eavesdropping on your self-talk. Your mind is always eavesdropping on your self-talk. So even if you're not saying it out loud of what you deserve, you know, in terms of your financial wealth, um, then your mind is always listening to your own inner self-talk and that's what you want to eliminate. So use magic. And the famous words in magic are abracadabra, right? Abracadabra. And if you look it up, it's really, it really means abracadabra means, um, words into power. And, um, and so if you take with, um, abra, A-B-R-A, what I do is very simple technique. If I have limiting thoughts in my mind, the first thing I do is the A in abra stands for acknowledge, acknowledge it. So you don't fight it because what you resist persists. If I say, don't think of a big purple giraffe, don't think of a big purple giraffe, don't think of this big purple giraffe, we all do it because your mind can't process negatives. So it can't think that way. And so what I would say is don't resist it because what you resist persists and gets stronger. What I would do is acknowledge it. It's there for whatever reason, acknowledge that it's there. The B in Abra stands for breathe. And breathing is, we know this, but common sense is not practice. It is the one activity we could, um, where in the atomic nervous system, it's something that where we could control, something we do automatically, but it's something we could also um, voluntarily control. So it's a great bridge into our unconscious. And so breathe, and where do I breathe? I do deep breathing, which is good in general for your learning because the lower one third of your lungs absorbs two thirds of the oxygen, uh, which is very important for your brain because your brain is only 2% of your body mass, but it re requires 20% of the nutrients. And so what I would say, deep breathing, and I would actually visualize because visualization is so powerful, right? We're talking about Roger Bannister and all the things that athletes do because they don't do physical training. They do mental training and visualization. Imagination, according to Einstein, is more powerful than knowledge because knowledge is what is, but imagination is what could be. So you want to visualize, you know, this. And so Breathe and, and visualize yourself breathing into that area where that limitation resides in your body. Maybe it's in your brain or it's in your heart or it's in your chest, wherever that stress resides or that thought, limiting belief or thought and breathe into it. And then when you exhale, release. So I want you to breathe in limitless. I want you to breathe in things that nourish you. I want you to breathe in strength and clarity and then breathe. When you're exhaling, let go of that limitation, let go of resistance, let go of negativity. So you acknowledge and then you breathe. And then the R stands for release. And that's the let go part where you breathe into that thought and then you release it and you visualize itself just going out into the universe, going into the sun, having it explode, having like a little sunshine come back down and it lands on on, on, a, on the green grass and a flower comes out of it and just visualize itself um, and you release it. And finally, the last A in Abra stands for align. 
align back to your true nature, back to your true self. What is the opposite of, or what's the higher vision for ourselves? Because I think without vision, you know, people perish. And I think that I was just on the way here, I was doing an Instagram live, which I always do in, in the back of an Uber, like these little Uber confessions, right? And afterwards the Uber was like, what's the name of the podcast? And that's a, but um, we were talking about somebody who was very depressed and they, hadn't, they couldn't get out of bed in the morning. And we talk about all the self-care stuff because I believe self-love and self-care is not selfish. And we're talking about the 10 hacks that I talk about in, in one of my episodes on how to unlock your quick brain. But one of the other things is having a compelling vision for your life. And, you know, and so build that. And so the A, the last A in Abra is really aligned to your true self, to your true nature, and not what other people expect from you, but really what you expect for yourself. Because I ultimately think that what makes us most happy are two things is first is to know who you are is to know who you are it's like our conversation about self-awareness self-awareness is a superpower right and so have the curiosity to know yourself and then once you know yourself have the courage to really be yourself because a lot of people they're not being themselves because they put them all these masks you know like our friend lewis talks about the masks of masculinity and it takes all this energy to hold this image and people wonder why they're tired and they have no you know energy to reach their goals and everything and i would say start with gratitude you know turn your and this is great because Lori was talking about this right before she was filming all these videos and she was like, isn't it amazing? You know, I get to do this because where most people talk about, they got to do this. They got, Oh, I got to journal. I got to meditate. I got to meet with this client, change one letter, change that O into an E, you know, I get to meet with this client, you know, I get to journal and, and spend time with myself. I get to exercise and it changes everything. And I do believe success is inside out process, but start with really knowing yourself and then, being yourself because most people are you know keeping up with the joneses they're living somebody else's life they're leaving like whatever expectations parents had for us or you know role models or whatever but i think we can only be truly happy when we're fulfilling our soul's purpose and that's really understanding your purpose and your truth and maybe if you haven't found your passion or, or your purpose here's another way of looking at it that maybe there's no higher purpose maybe the purpose is to have a human experience here you know is to be able to love to grow to contribute in meaningful ways and the rest finds itself but maybe also your purpose is looking for you like what if it's out there looking for you and it's right in front of you often sometimes but because we have these blinders on what we think it's supposed to look like we're not open to it and your mind and your heart is like a parachute it only works when it's opened Right. And then for my birthday, you know, I jumped out of a plane, which is something that I never thought I could, I would, I would do, uh, like why well, jump out of a perfectly functional plane. Um, but you know, I did it because, you know, and it's just a metaphor. Like when I was going down, I was like recording, I was like grabbing my phone and trying to record like your mind's like a parachute. It only works when, when it's open. Hopefully this is, but, um, but start, that's a great starting place. So I would say, um, to, to answer your question here is like, I, I feel like we're all here to, uh, to, not just make a dollar, but also make a difference that we grow. So we have more to give that we don't, you know, and that's why I like your show so much because it's, it's about that. It's about not just the income, but your impact. Right. And we don't give to get, that's the thing. Don't give to get give because it's who you are. Amen. Amen. That is so true. Do you have a favorite moment of giving? Oh, goodness. I mean, just having celebrated Thanksgiving, you know, we went around town in Los Angeles and just gave away food. And there was this couple, um, this is most recent because it just happened last week, but there was this couple where um, they were sitting in a, in a bus stop. And um, I, won't, I, won't, I don't want to go into too much about 
what they were, but they were in a very vulnerable place, you know, especially for the holidays. It could be a very lonely time for a lot of us. But um, me and a friend, we provided food and we sat down and have a really intimate conversation with them. Going back to people don't really want your gifts, but they want your presence. They want to be seen. And a lot of people who are down on their luck, you know, they, they feel like they're invisible. And um, a, more, a very powerful, happened, something happened years ago is um, another incident was we were hiking in the Amazon rainforest and this woman, amazing woman named Lynn Twist, she's literally a saint. She, she worked side by side with Mother Teresa and uh, she wrote a, a book you know, called The Soul of Money and um, amazing woman. She takes us down in the rainforest and um, we came across an indigenous tribe after hours and hours of hiking and we were their very first Western contact. Whoa. They've never met Westerners ever. Technology, Westerners, wow. anybody. It was this village of you know seven or eight families. and But by the second night, we were having dinner with them. By the third day, we were playing with their kids. And it's so interesting you know, when it comes back to gratitude because we were there because um, there was an oil company that was would remain name but um was going in there and they were displacing 30,000 indigenous people and we were there just to contribute but it's interesting though because when i asked them what can we do to help the elder this is what the translation came from back as said if you're here to to help don't waste your time but if you're here because you know your life and your liberation is deeply tied with ours then let's do it together wow like like think about the audacity and the ego, like even because we want to make a difference and we want to give back and we want yeah. to contribute. But I was like, how can we save these people? Yeah. And then I was just like, oh my God, these people are very healthy and there's a nobility in their children and they have this responsibility. And I asked them, like I, we were camping literally on the ground, no facilities, no anything. And I was eating these, um, these nutritional bars, right? Like what else am I going to eat? And I was like, where can I put the, the garbage? They had no word for the word trash. Wow. Because, I mean, like, I mean, so think about that. And then from there, it was amazing. And so, like, and we were there to contribute. Now, granted, we were able to raise a lot of money because we did a lot of stuff there, and we were able to keep this oil company out. We won that lawsuit, and it was great. So I felt a big win there. I mean, it was part of their advisory board. But when I was coming back from there, and I was going to L.A., and I love L.A., I live here. But, you know, going from that place after weeks of living with, like, off the grid and with these people, there, there's so much nobility there. And we were flying into LAX, and I see the smog, and I see the billboards, and the marketing, and the traffic. And you know, it it, it hurt, you know, a little bit because I think it's important for all of us, for our brains, our minds, our hearts, and our souls to disconnect so we could reconnect and get into nature. And I think it's so healing for your mind and and your soul, and just a reminder to do that. But that was a way where we contributed in the Amazon um, to each other. And I think that's really what we're here to do. You know, we're not we're not here just to just for ourselves and then we're here always to be able to to do what we can for others I love that great moments of giving very last signature question mm-hmm. why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of wealth or success Ooh, great great questions chris um so i would say you have to be unapologetic about your pursuit for wealth and success because here's here's the thing well first of all the obvious thing is when you have greater wealth, you have more that you could do with it because money is nothing but a, a resource and it just is a magnifier. If you're a bad person, it gives you more to be bad with. And if you're a good person, it allows you more to be good with. And so I think it magnifies really who we are. And so it's a multiplier in that respects. But the other reason why you want to be unapologetic about your success is that people are looking to you that with your, with your grace and with your grit, meaning that when we 
reach the levels of success. In order to do it, we need to add massive amounts of values. And that's what I think that in terms of entrepreneurs or people going making a difference in their careers, you know, money is just a measure of value that you're giving in the world. And, you know, they, they the saying goes that if you want to get what you want, help enough people get what they want. And it's just a measuring stick for like, if you could do more good, you know, in the world, you know, you have more to do good with, you know, as you, as you earn, because really it is, what well, you know what this cycle is? You learn to earn and then you return. And that, that's the cycle for me. So do it, if not just for yourself to have more to do good with. Also know that you're a source of inspiration to people who are watching you that you don't even realize they're watching you and you inspire people with your, with your growth and with your grit, even if they don't say it, you know, cause sometimes the people closest to us are the ones that keep us from changing not because they don't care about us, maybe because they care about us so much, but they're like, why are you reading that? Why are you always reading books? Why are you going to those, all those conferences and masterminds, and listen to all those podcasts? But, you know, those people, like, you know, you could, you could still love your family, but you could choose, you know, really who has that effect on you. And, you know, the best thing you could do for those people is to be an example, because I think we can learn bottom line from anybody that everybody, everybody has some kind of wisdom to pass on because they have unique experience and life experience and a lifetime of lessons learned, you know, but also at fundamentally people are either an example or they're a warning, you know, and you can look at that and you can learn either way, but people be an example for people and show them what's possible because in your success and your wealth and your ability to create, you give them permission to do the same. Wow. I absolutely love it. What a great answer to wrap this thing up. Jim, you just talked about people that inspire you. I just want to take this moment to say thank you to you. Um, you love superheroes. I love superheroes. I see you as a superhero that thank inspires you. me and, and you're just such a great example. So I value our friendship and I value all of the incredible Dude, the knowledge. two of you are literal superheroes. <laughs> I love following you guys on Instagram and just like you make me make me want to be better. Oh, thank you. Likewise, my friend. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.